Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. My guest today is Jonathan Hammond, and he brings such a refreshing candor to our talk today on all things Una. He is a shaman practitioner and author of the book, The Shaman's Mind, Una Wisdom to Change Your Life. And as he would say, there is no more practical or effective system to guide us into the mind of the shaman than Huna the esoteric and spiritual principles that originated in the heart of Polynesia and is the foundation of many of the shamanistic traditions of Hawaii. At the top of the show, he shares his journey of moving into healership, just what that looked like for him, the experiences and the opportunities that became present for both of us when one really chooses to follow that inner guidance and how spirit is truly cheering us on when any of us take that leap and follow the greatest path of service. We touch upon many teachings from his book, Breaking Down the Principles of Huna, Ways to Deal with Our Limiting Beliefs, the importance of identifying what you really want, learning to understand what the hardship in your life symbolizes as a means to healing, the seven universal laws that all indigenous healers he found ascribed to, and so much more that will bring you back, I hope, inside to reside in your divine authority. As always, I hope this episode and every episode you listen to serves you well in ways that will really carry and uplift you on your path of healing and a return to wholeness. Enjoy. Jonathan Hammond. That's me. We're here. We're on the podcast. It's happening. I read your book. It's great. And we're going to talk about it. Are you ready? <laughs> Aloha. Let's do it. Aloha. Mahalo. Well, when I read your book, as I was just saying before we got on here, it, as these things do happen in life, just like all these wonderful synchronicities that you mentioned at the beginning of your book, it's just life is like that. And of course, as I found you through very serendipitous means, I'm reading your book and I go, oh, this is me. <laughs> this, yes, I can relate. And there's something, you were an actor for many, many years and you made the transition and you talk about it early on in your book, this awakening from an experience in Maui um, up by the volcano. And uh, you said, I'm going to be a healer. That's it. I think you told your boyfriend or to be husband. Husband, yeah. Good yeah. Uh, to be husband, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to quote <laughs> this because I think it's really profound, simple, but profound and worth reminding to those that are listening on this podcast and say, God, I really want to be a healer. God, I really want to leave my corporate job. God, I really want to fill in the blank. And it's really emblematic of this shift and why 
the things that we want in life don't happen for a reason. And you simply say, because you really wanted this show that you were doing in Boston to go to New York and it would have taken off. It would have served to have your um, career be in a whole new trajectory as an actor. And basically you said, if you would have gotten what you thought you wanted at the time, what you really, what your soul really was seeking for you to experience, what you really wanted would have never happened. And you would have gone and been taken further, further off the path. And I think that's a great place to start because as you know, cheesy as perhaps it sounds, God's rejection truly is our protection. And I can certainly relate with moments in my life where when I was an actor for many, many years, Mm -hmm. and it was like me versus so-and-so who's out there on the top billing. And Diane over here didn't get it. And I thought, oh, What's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? What is going on? Should I continue? And then spirit just keeps pulling me and pulling me and directing me gracefully, I might add, in the direction of greater service. And I remember when I started going to school, back to school and learning spiritual psychology, we learned about the tenets of service and how service is the most elevated place to be as a human. So the greatest thing we can do is be a service. And even then at the time, many years ago, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. But now I go, oh my God, that's it. Of course it's service, but we only know what we know. And I would love for you to just start off by talking about that in your life, how the path of being a healer what it's done for your soul, what it's done for your spiritual maturity um, and getting to strengthen your capacity to know God's ways. Starting off with an easy question. Right? I, know, that, I tend yeah, to yeah. do this, apologies. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good. So uh, there's a lot to say here. So there's a, there's a Hawaiian word called kulike and kulike, kulike basically means to imitate or even to pretend. And the easiest way to understand it is that uh, is that it is to understand or empathize with the unconscious or the subconscious of another to such an extent that you can understand it and create it in yourself. And so when I was an actor, there was a sense, you read the words on the page, and you go, what kind of person would say this? What kind of person would act this way? What kind of person would, would take this action, et cetera? And, um, and I was good at that. And, uh, and that translates exactly into my work now, which is that I am empathizing with your story or whoever story, or whoever it is that's coming to me as a healer. And I'm understanding what kind of person would have these circumstances because the outside circumstances of one's life mirrors one's inner life. Exactly. Right. And, and so, and so uh, that helps me, uh, that was the building blocks for me as healer. Uh, that's how, that's how I began. So it wasn't really that big of a leap. I was saying before we got on officially that when you think of an actor, you learn the lines, you learn the blocking, you hope for inspiration to come through. And in the work that I'm doing now, you uh, you have your wisdom, you have your training, and then you hope for inspiration to come through. It's a very, very, very similar um, 
uh, uh, similar kind of cosmology. In fact, it's even it's even thought of that shamans were uh, not that I call myself that, but but uh, that uh, shamanic practitioners or original shamans were the original actors uh, because uh, they were the ones who were feeling into and understanding different archetypical energies in their communities and how to understand them and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, when I stopped doing what wasn't right, uh, and it wasn't right just because it, it uh, I, I just could never have the reach that I wanted. I think I was never a fame-driven actor. That was never my thing. And I think if I if I really had the opportunity to tell inspirational, uplifting stories, I may have stayed. But I just didn't get that opportunity all that much. Right. And um, but the the result really is when you step into doing the spirits work for them down here, you become uh, highly protected and divinely favored. You be you uh, that you are gifted with a sense of we are aware of the sacrifice that you're making to be of service, and we want you if you organ if you orient yourself this way, we want you to do it comfortably. We want you to do it in a way that is abundant for you. We want you to way we want you to do it in a way that you can keep doing it for a lot of people, and so and so we just end up getting a lot of help. Mm-hmm. So we really become divinely favored when when we step into healer. So often when people, when a lot of my clients are moving into healer, they think I'm going to go poor, you know, and and I've actually never, ever seen that. I've only seen that when they do it, they, they get to the other side of it and they say, it's so much better. It's so much more money. It's so much more freedom. It's so much more free time. It's you know, so, um, so there's, um, to follow the call, the call toward healer is a scary one. Um, but, um, they're really unbelievable benefits that, that, um, that put you in conjunction with the spirits of the the spirits and, and how they, and how they can favor and help you. You know, I love that so much because it's true. So many people think when they go into healing arts, that they're going to be like the starving artist. And it's not that at all. And I can certainly echo that back to you. I go, I I have a month waiting list, sometimes a two month waiting list. I don't advertise. (laughs) And I just go, thank you, God, every day. But even more so that I get to just help people. And that is the greatest reward. And I don't have to play a role. I get to be me. So how exciting and empowering it is for me to step into my true authenticity instead of a mask or a role or a story, but just allow my true light to shine, which in self is healing. And we really would say, and I know you'd get this, that all healing really is self-healing. So all every time we're serving someone, like you talk about in your book as Ho'oponopono, it's a shared memory. We're healing ourselves at the same time. 100%. It, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's always vicarious. It's always reciprocal. It's always... And, you know, in terms of not advertising, I think of my practice as having its own spirit. Yeah. And the spirit is the part that the, the spirit does the advertising. The spirit brings me the people that I can help and and deflects the people that I can't help, um, you know, uh, et cetera. So, yeah, it really um, uh, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. And it is a gift. It is a gift. If you think of if you think of the ascended masters or the spirit guides that we call on, you know, these are beings that are simply hover around the planet and are ecstatic to help. That's mm. all they want to do is help. 
And so the idea, and so the idea that we become more like them. Yes. When we are in the ecstatic experience, uh, experience of helping, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, uh, and that's really the, that's really, um, if you're doing it right, I think the journey of being a human, you know, yeah. that, that we become more godlike in the way in which we serve and touch the collective. Mm, so well said. I love that. Well, you talk about in the beginning of your book as well, and forgive me if I mispronounce these, you talk about this descent that passes or surpasses comprehension, this wicked spirit that's very pervasive on the planet right now that we are all facing this spiritual war for lack of a better term. And Mm -hmm. I believe it's called Iapa and the uh, Matiko. Can you explain that and its significance right now for humanity? Yeah, so Wetiko is is a is an actually a, a word that comes from the Native American traditions, and it's uh, and Eepa is the uh, is sort of the Hawaiian the Hawaiian version of it or the Hawaiian translation. Okay. And uh, Wetiko is is considered a virus or a parasite of the mind, and it is uh, uh, it is born of separation, it is born of greed, it is born of dominion over nature, dominion over the feminine. Uh, it is born of hoarding of wealth. It is born of separation. It is born of polarization. And the uh, and and they the uh, the Native Americans talk about Watiko as uh, as something self cannibalizing, mm. meaning that it kills its host. Ooh. And yet it is so much the way in which when you when you think of the overculture now that polarization that separation is so prevalent. Uh, and um, and dominion over nature and and cruelty to others and you know the exact opposite of what we see when we go into nature when we go into nature we see interconnection interdependence everything working together everything as part of of uh, a system that that works together harmoniously and holistically but we humans are infected with this thing that causes us to separate and to believe in the illusion of separation. And, and to believe in the illusion that that when we hurt another, we are that we are in some way separate from the fact that we are actually hurting ourselves. Right. We, you know, there's only there's only one thing happening and we're each an individual aperture through which that one thing sees itself. But that one thing is not separate from us. So the actions that we take affect us. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that we are the, the idea that we are in some way separated, that is um, that is the beginning of the downfall. Right. And from where I sit as, an, as a shamanic practitioner, it really began with the uh, with uh, to- what, what might be considered totalitarian agriculture. The idea that we that we have dominion, we own the land, and we have dominion over it as a commodity. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of the suppression of the feminine, and that was the idea of using the earth as as a commodity for ourselves and for our own um, self-aggrandizement as opposed to being in a, in a, um, in a cooperative relationship with it. Right. And so Pico is when we're, when we're unaware of that and we're, we're uh, infected by it and it's what um, will ultimately bring the downfall. Yes. How do you explain to people listening to this that may question their power, their intrinsic connection to the evolution of humanity mm-hmm. that everything we do matters how do you know that fact <laughs> that everything we do matters how do you know that within your own consciousness 
The one thing that we all share is awareness. We're all awake right now. You, you can just tune in with the idea that you're awake and I'm happening on, on your screen of awareness and you're happening on, on their screen of awareness. And, and so that is something that is shared. And because that is shared, what we project onto that screen of awareness, that screen of awareness shifts and changes based on what we project onto it. So in other words, the world is where well, the first principle of Huna says that the world is, the world becomes, reality becomes what we think it is, what we think about, what we believe which means that we are contributing to what awareness is, to what reality is, by virtue of what we are projecting onto it. Mm -hmm. And so if we each just play our own individual part in what we are projecting onto the awareness, that's all we have to do. We only right. have to do our part. Right. That some of us have to do more than our part because a lot of people aren't, you know. Right. You know, I often say, uh, if you can just clean up your mess enough that it doesn't spill over into my experience. Could we just do that? <laughs> right. You know? Uh, you know, but, but that's, that's what it means. It, it means that we all, um, we're all contributing to the solution, to evolution, to growth, to moving towards love, to moving towards beneficial change, or we're not. Mm -hmm. And we each individually do that. However, we do it individually based on the story of our lives. I mean, we're all going to, join Greenpeace or, or, you know, or uh, live in a, live in a log cabin and go off the grid doesn't necessarily mean that, but our own individual version of that, you know, are we acting, are we acting from love? Are we acting from a sense that I'm connected to the all mm -hmm. with the actions that I take? It's not that hard. It's just not prescribed by the culture. It's mm -hmm. not something, it's not something we're necessarily taught, taught to, to, to do or to think of in that way. Right. You share in the beginning as well in your book that we are in the fifth Pachacuti, according yeah. to the is it Quechua? The Quechua people, people yeah. yeah. The Quechua people. What is its significance and why should we care for those that are curious? Yeah. So um, the idea being that uh, the Quechua, uh, I won't go into too much detail, but the Quechua divide time into 500 year intervals. And, uh, and according to the Quechua, we're in the fifth. We're in the fifth. And this is shaman time. This is based on their culture. But yeah. what they're what they're getting at is that in the fifth Pachacuti, this the Pachacuti is the 500 year interval. This is a time when the eagle and the condor, or the masculine and the feminine, will fly together in the same sky. So mm. they talk about that the previous Pachacutis were dominated by the eagle, and we know this. It's dominated by science and technology and facts and logic and all of those things. And and with that came the suppression of the feminine. And the eagle is considered a masculine bird, according to the Quechua. Okay. Uh, but this is a time when now the condor, which is considered feminine, intuitive, environmentally, the condor doesn't even build a nest, just does it with, with uh, recycled stuff, you know? So the, the, uh, the condor is, um, is considered the more feminine principle. And the idea is, is that there will be an integration of those two during this time on the planet. And this Patrick Pachacuti began roughly 50, 75 years ago, and will continue for the next 500. What's interesting is that Carl Jung spoke about, we are now entering, just starting December 2020, the age of Aquarius, mm -hmm. which he defined as a 500-year interval in which we would move away from uh, binary thinking, polarized thinking, and move into integration and individuation that is the combination and the integration of our animus and anima, or our mm -hmm. masculine and feminine. And, you know, I think the new man that is being developed right now that is coming, you know, is, is much more sensitive, 
you know, uh, and on some level, the new woman is, uh, is, uh, allows herself to be much more powerful and deserving, you know, and like, that is the evolution of, of the humans uh, to integrate those two parts of us. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it's, uh, so Jung talked about it and, and uh, some of the indigenous cultures talked about it too. Wow, beautiful. Well, before we get into the seven Hawaiian words that serve for Huna, I want to just talk about a few other things here that I find really juicy from your book. And I'm just going to quote your book. I just love this statement. Have you comment on it regarding our growth really as a soul? Shaman's mind will grow exponentially when you organize your life around how you intend to influence and serve the world, and then insist that every choice and act that you take contributes to this intention. I just love that because it's like you're setting consciously a bar and you're not going to go below that bar. And when people go, well, I don't know if I can do that, it was like, well, you haven't really set a clear intention and checked it out, done differently, tried it out, become the spiritual scientist, checked out to see how deep this well is in your in yeah. your uh, power well, to manage. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We will fail. Yes. We will fail. That is that is an intention that we if you think of living a spiritual life a spiritually directed life or a spiritually driven life, all that really means is the confrontation of the compartmentalization when I'm not living a spiritual life in the moment. Yes. You know, and so it is about, it is about that, you know, it is about being awake. It is about being aware. It is about uh, being um, uh, cognizant of the fact that every action you take is serving the collective, is on, is on some level influencing the collective. Yes. And, uh, and so, and so, it just just knowing that helps you clean up your own mess, you know, and and um, and allows you and if you really do it allows you to be something that others can emulate. Yes. You know, because what ends up happening is because the, the external world is a reflection of our inner world. When we do that, when we act meticulously through love, love is what uh, abounds in our lives. Yes. And so people who don't have that, they go, what is he having? What's mm-hmm. he doing over there? You know, and now and and um, and now we're we're uh, in the process of influencing others toward that, not through power over. You're, you're never going to win an argument on Facebook. It's never going to happen. It's never happened in the history of Facebook, you know, no. uh, but but um, but when people see that, like they seem happier over there, they seem they seem more content with themselves. What are they doing? That's, that's how, um, that's how we can invite people into a different way of being. It makes me think uh, my, um, this program I have for people in my work, one of the processes they work on is on the nine environments. And it's just making me think of this. And the question I ask them is this environment, and it could include you, by the way, your mind environment, right? Are you inspiring or is it inspiring others or is it expiring you and others? And I hear that in what you're talking about. You say so beautifully in your book, it really reflects back to a Huna principle that the world is a reflector field to you of your innermost essence. Now, I would flip that and ask just for the... um, 
the uh, the person who likes to be uh, in their doubt. What if you are covering up your innermost essence, that beautiful golden winged layer of being with all your stuff? Then what would you be reflecting back? You're covered up, you're covered up golden light. Right. You're, you know, you're covered. That's what you would be reflecting back. You know, it's uh, when when people when I have uh, private clients, particularly new clients, and they tell me their story yeah. and then I tell them what's wrong. They're all amazed. And and it's like, you just told me that these are the circumstances in your life. So I, I have a sadistic boss who's terrible to me. Well, that means you have a belief in you that says, I resonate and it's okay for me to be in a relationship with a sadistic boss. So now we're back to childhood and who were you sadistic with? Or I have problems with money. Well, that is telling me that there's something about your self-esteem and you mattering and your material ex existence mattering that is that is in some way compromised because the external the external circumstances are not are, are reflecting something different right and so that's what that means so yes of course there are there are gifts and i will even go so far as to say divinity light that is obscured because of wounds because of uh because of the just the normal pain of life the work of healing is about um, undoing those so that your external world can actually mirror back uh, uh, what you came here to be. Right. You know, and what you came here to be is gorgeous. What well, you came here to be is, is, uh, is some, some version of inspired potential, your version of that. Yes. I'm going to quote your book again here, Jonathan, because I think this is really potent stuff. And you say, no problem can exist or would ever have been created if the person with the problem had known that, and I'm going to read these seven statements. And these are all, of course, re-statements of the seven principles of HUNA, which we will get into shortly. And uh, so no problem can exist or would have ever been created if the person with the problem had known that one, they created it with their thoughts and beliefs, two, they inextricably they are inextricably connected to every solution for it in the entire universe number 3 that they can create something different by focusing on something different <laughs> number 4 they can do so right now in the present moment number 5 they can choose the most loving solution number 6 they have infinite power within themselves to create to do so and number seven they can try something else if what they attempt does not work i just love that and i think that's worthy of mention as we head into these beautiful seven Hawaiian words. Do you want to comment on any of that before we jump yeah, in? So, you know, uh, how this even came to me, I had studied, I have, I've worked with uh, shamans on three different continents and, uh, and despite different practices, different, uh, different ways of being, uh, all of that. The one thing that I could feel was that they all had the same outlook. They all had the same worldview. They all had, they were all doing the same thing despite different languages, different practices, et cetera. And I couldn't exactly name it, but I just kept feeling it. And then I came to the Hawaiian stuff and these seven ideas. And I thought this is universal shamanic thinking. These seven ideas 
are the things that I have noticed that people in uh, in Nicaragua and Costa Rica and Brazil and uh, uh, Thailand and Bali, all you know, all of these in, um, indigenous and America, all these indigenous um, um, healers that they were all a, that they all adhered to these ideas, you know. Mm -hmm. And so there there are seven ideas that are about um, that your thoughts create reality, that it is a limitless universe. Mm -hmm. Separation is an illusion, which means that you're connected to everything. That to put your focus and attention on anything is to invite in energy that brings to you the nearest available equivalent of what you're placing your focus and attention on. You can only do any of this right now. If you do it in the direction of love, that's a really good idea. And you have the power to do that and to discern that for yourself. You have the power within you to curate this reality for yourself, whatever it is that you want. And the last last principle is that if it doesn't work, try something else. It's okay, right? You know, so so that's that's those ideas, and they're, they're you can break them down, but that's sort of um, uh, and that's what I found to be a kind of universal sh shaman's mind. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, if you start with the first one, is it Ike? 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 That the world is what you think it is, which is so true because. Outer world reality is a direct reflection of your inner world reality. Yeah. And it's more than it's more than half empty, glass half empty, glass half full. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's not just your experience of life. It's actually that life itself, reality itself, creates itself based on how you think about it. Yes. That, based you on mentioned. what you believe. So, right. And beliefs are really important because it's about like if you don't. If you do not have a belief that says, I'm going to have love in my life, love is impossible in my life for whatever reason, my nose is too big, I'm too old, whatever it is. If you do not have a belief that says, I am attracting love in my life, that I want love in my life, the spirits, that's what they have to work with. And the spirits are not going to stick the guy next to you on the subway because you're not looking for it. You're not in a belief system that would allow you to attract, you know, your eyes aren't even open for it. Right. And so your beliefs then dictate what is possible in your reality. So how do you work with people to break a belief? And by the way, I might just add that for those listening, go, well, what really is a belief? I might say a belief is really a story you keep telling yourself over and over again. And rule. True. It's a rule. It's, it's a, a rule. rule. Yeah. yeah. Based, started which started from a thought because when did a thing ever precede a thought? Never. So thoughts create things and a belief comes from a singular thought told over and over again, and then it becomes calcified and made true. So, and I love how you say it in your book as well, which I think applies to this tenant, this principle, the world is what you think it is, is that you say, if there's anything you don't like about your life that's taking place, it's safe to say that you have beliefs that indicate that it's perfectly okay with you that certain things are not okay. Right. So right. it makes me think of, I used to study, I did this course with John Asaraf. If you've heard of John Asaraf, he's a great guy. He has a lot of online programs um, now, but anyway, he would say in these sort of mastermind groups, what are you willing to endure? Or actually, I think the word was tolerate. 
which I thought was a great question. Knowing the brain is solution oriented, you ask the brain first and foremost, if you can't get into the mind to go beyond the mind in meditation, simply ask these solution oriented questions like, what are you willing to tolerate? Well, I'm not willing to tolerate this shitty paycheck. <laughs> I'm not willing to tolerate this um, uh, non-mutually supporting relationship. So it brings me back to this. It's like, well, these beliefs that you're holding are an indicator that you're perfectly fine with tolerating the status right. quo. I often tell clients, um, we're not supposed to be doing a lot of coping. <laughs> we're not uh, supposed to be doing, suffering is overrated and we're not supposed to be doing a lot of coping. And that means that, that uh, if something isn't good enough, let it not be good enough. Let it not, you know, and, and also just to say, there are two ways to, to curate beliefs. One is through cynicism, which it's there for the taking. Turn on the television. It is the culture. And the other one is faith. Yeah. The other one is faith. The other one is possibility. The other one is imagination, which gets a bad rap. But imagination is the beginning of anything. Yes. The creation, bringing anything into being, you know. I love your exercise in the book where as an exercise, you have them write down 75 and maybe it was around imagination and creating, taking the limits off. Yeah, around um, limitlessness, the second principle. Yeah. The simple principle, Kala, yeah. right? Yeah. So doing a sort of vision board, but writing a list of 75 things that you want, both significant and not so significant, maybe like everything from a house or a marriage or a child or health, wellness to a Gucci watch. <laughs> and it just doesn't matter. Don't judge your wants. Just write it down and you'll start to see where your limitations are. I love that. Yeah, we withhold from ourselves. We withhold from ourselves. And this isn't this isn't about spiritual materialism. It's not right. about getting stuff. Yes. It's about, it's about the exercise of writing down 75 things that I want. So if you think of you're a person who's gifted with, and supposedly it's a very, according to the Buddhists, a very rare gift to, to be gifted with human life. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking you at age 30, whatever, or 40, whatever, to write down 75 things that, that you want, that would light up your life, that would that actually speak to you in such a way that you would feel like if I got even some of these, I could I could I could I could leave and go, I accomplished. Mm -hmm. Those 75 things, that's not a nice thing to write down. That's not that's scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, that is that is uh that that is imprinted on your soul. Yes. You know, and it's not about the Gucci watch. It's about what does the Gucci watch signify? Right. Exactly. You know, uh, and and uh, and and if it's about health, what does what does health signify? What did how did you show up for yourself in order to actually in order in order to actually make that thing that you want come to fruition? Right. You know, and so and so it's so important that we identify what it is that we want. It makes me think of this man named Prophet Lovey. He's located in California. He's a beautiful man. I've gone to his church sometimes, and I'm very open to, you know, exploring all kinds of humans sure. on this planet that are bringing the light. So it's not even about religion. But the point is, there's a lot of judgment that he gets. I wouldn't say a lot of judgment, but anyone out there in the public eye is 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 a potential, you know, hit for someone's judgment. But the point is, 
he wears, be- he's a beautiful man and he wears beautiful clothes. He'll wear a Gucci belt. He'll wear gorgeous jackets and suits. And people will say like, you know, gosh, you're really flashy. You're wearing all these nice clothes. And it was so beautiful. This one time he was talking, he said, yes, well, the prophets, many of the great people that you consider prophets or leaders or teachers that would heal the masses or or take care of the sick or remove the demons, whatever. They were dressed in the finest of robes and silks and their followers, their disciples would try to cut a piece of their robe off and carry it with them. And, you know, why judge me for what I'm wearing? What is it about you that you think you should be in rags and you can't be in clothes that make you feel good? There's a big difference, I always say, with someone when you mentioned the or I mentioned the Gucci watch from your book and you reflected on that. Like you said, it's not about having the Gucci watch. It what it's what it is a what it represents. And it's a big difference between like a woman carrying a Gucci bag and saying, look at me, aren't I important? Aren't I beautiful? Don't I matter? Opposed to wearing it because you find it to be a beautiful piece of art or it just makes you feel beautiful. Think, think so you know just to, to get away from the idea that it's it's some sort of materialism if you think of that we are each we are each a spark of the divine yes. we are each we are each simply a a, a uh, uh, an expression of 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 the divine and uh and what do we do with the divine we worship it we revere it and so it is appropriate to revere ourselves that is that actually is uh if that's what we are that is what's appropriate and so it's about like but not for other people for you yeah you know? well, yeah I love um, and and so that that's really what that's about it's about it's about how it you know how it makes you feel mm-hmm. you know and it's also about it's also about if it if it leads you toward more possibility if it leads you toward uh, imagining more imagining bigger more life more growth more evolution you know then then that's what and and that's what's happening if you think of what's happening in nature nature is constantly trying to create more of itself to become itself further you know to keep going right to to be the highest and best expression of what it can be and i'm talking about a weed right and we are we don't live on earth as human beings we are earth which means we are of with that same intentionality of nature is what lives in us Yes. And so when I ask you to write down 75 things, things that you want, it's about like, that's the thing that creates you further. Mm-hmm. That's what evolves you further toward your highest potential, toward what whatever it is that you could possibly become. Mm, that's great. It makes me think of just simply the definition or one definition of consciousness. And it's that it's always expanding, whether or not you're having what you perceive to be the worst most entropic day possible, (laughs) you're still in a state of expansion. You cannot not expand. And, you know, even if you think of the voices in your head, you know, we all have an inner critic. So we all have a voice in our head says, no, you don't look right. You're stupid. You're not going to happen for you. And you you did, you know, but, and like that voice is actually, according to what you just said, not an actually true voice because that voice leads to stasis. Right. No growth. 
It leads to going backward. It leads, it's not an evolutionary voice. And so therefore that voice is actually not a true voice. And so you might have a voice in your head that does that to you, but it's not real. The voice that the voice that's real in your head is the one that says, keep going. The one that says, evolve further. The one that says, try it. The one that says, follow the yeses. Mm. That's, that's the true voice because that's, that's what's mirrored in nature. And we are expressions of nature, each of us individually. Mm. That makes me think of the next principle or one of the seven principles, Manawa. The being in the now is the only place that we can really access the power of the now. And it's so interesting in reading your book. I did not know this, that the Hawaiian language cannot translate itself, express itself being out of the present moment. The, can you explain that? That's so fascinating. Yeah, the, the grammar in, in Hawaiian, there are no future tenses and no past tenses. So everything relates only to the now. So if you're going to say something about the future, you would say, uh, my going snorkeling tomorrow hasn't happened yet. <laughs> or or uh, my, my, my trip to Kauai last week is now over. Everything relates only to the now. Because the now, there's nothing else but the now. There really is nothing else but the now. And of course, we talk about that a lot with mindfulness and all of that. But it's also about from uh, this particular principle says that um, now is the moment of power. Mm. Which is the only place where you can access power. The only place where you can access the juice to do anything is right now which means that and which means that that uh of anything that you're that you're uh scanning from the past you know has no power it's done it's only it's only now uh and anything about anything that you're worried or, or concerned about with the future has no power it's only now even even the idea of predictive psychics they're not being predictive they're reading the now Mm-hmm. You know, that's all they're doing. They're reading present moment energies and they might be very gifted at it. That would, if the present moment energies continue, would probably lead to this kind of a result. Right, right. But it's only here. It's only right now. But the problem is people will pull in from the past and it will influence their future. And the now will be a different reading the next time they go get a reading because the now is now a template of their past thinking i have evidence of what i am based on the past no you don't you have evidence of a vibration that attracted that into you it attracted that to you those circumstances to you you have evidence of that but you don't have evidence of that that's the nature of life you have evidence of a vibration that doesn't didn't work for you in the past but that's not you right you could change that now okay so i'm going to play the devil's advocate here for someone hearing this. Yes, but I had these experiences that were horrible and my husband left me and he left me with nothing. And that's a real memory I had. And I'm still suffering the results of the, uh, from that circumstance. That's mm-hmm. not uh, imagining. That's my reality now based on the past, Jonathan. What yeah, do you say? And I, I say, uh, um, I, I say, thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness, because because uh, th- that had to happen for a reason. Darkness yeah. is a tool. Yeah. Darkness. The devil is an angel, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and so like the, the darkness is just there to say you missed the mark. You missed it. You avoided. You didn't look. 
You didn't have your eyes open. You didn't know this about yourself. You didn't know this about life. You didn't know this about women. You're following the wrong rules. And this was the result. Makes me think of my teacher, John Roger. He says anything and people listening to my podcast have probably heard me mention this from time to time. And it's a great teaching. And I use it all the time in my life that anything you don't like in your life, well, in service to taking personal responsibility, which opens the door to our freedom, uh, we recognize that somewhere along the line, we either created it, promoted it, or allowed it. And you go, I didn't promote that guy beating me up in the street. Well, I can't explain everything, (laughs) but somewhere you created, promoted You know, sometimes you got to pull the lens back. You got to pull the lens back to lessons of the soul. You got to pull the lens back to, uh, you know, to... uh, uh, even even the ancestral lines and all of that. But yes. the, the point is this, the point is that if whatever is, if, if something is happening to you that you don't like, that is negative, and if you can find the light bulb in it, if you can find the aha in it, if you can find a sense of, there's nothing random, there's nothing random. I remember right before I, I um, right before we left for Hawaii, you know, my husband was Punched in the face by by some crazy homeless person. Didn't even see it coming. Just punched in the face, broke his nose. Wow. And just, just innocent, didn't provoke it, didn't even see it coming, you know? And like, oh, and and uh, and of course we deal with the trauma of that first. But then uh, over time, over time, I know why that happened. I know what I needed to be, uh, to be woken up to. It symbolized this for me. Mm. What shamanic healing is, more than anything, is what does my hardship symbolize mm. and it either symbolized that i'm screwed and that life's shitty or it symbolizes something about i'm not seeing something my eyes were closed i was following the wrong rules uh i i was with the with the person that i thought i was supposed to be with with the information i had at the time but it wasn't right what does your hardship symbolize and if you can if you can get it to and if you can spin it and it's not spin like you're making it up. Spin it toward what it actually was meant to teach you. Hmm. Hmm. Great stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about how energy flows where our attention goes. Makia, I think yeah. of it in spiritual science. It's commensurate with something we call consciousness focusing. So if you're going to have a crappy thought, just redirect your thought and keep redirecting your thought to that which is wanted. So you can either be living your life in emotional content, which we would call reactivity, or you could be living your life in your creatorship, or I might say co-creatorship, cooperation, co with the divine, so that you can be a creator with God. So you're either operating in your reactivity or you're operating in your creatorship. And Makia, as you talk about, is all about how energy flows where attention goes. Yeah, so what we place our focus and attention on with consistency. With consistency. With consistency. Invite in the creative energies of the universe that bring to us the nearest available equivalent of what we're placing our focus and attention on with consistency. Another way to say it, focus on what you want and not on what you don't want. Yes. Focus on what you want a lot and not on what you don't want a lot. Here's another one. Expect the best. Focus on expecting the best. Even if you don't get the best, it'll be way better than you are right now. 
Yes. And so it is, it is about like, it is, and, and so often we are focusing on the thing that we don't want to happen. Yes, yes. You know, and, and, and it's protective. There's a reason for that. It's a sense of, it's, I don't want to be, I don't want to just be Pollyanna. I don't want to have an open heart. I don't want to be vulnerable in that way. I don't want, I don't want to want the thing. I don't want the disappointment, you know? So we don't, so we place our focus on, on uh, the thing that might happen that isn't what we want, as opposed to the thing that we, what we do want. And, and so that it's such a, it's such a different outlook and it takes, these principles take discipline, you know, and people hate that word, you know, but, but it's an important word because it's really saying like, you got to pay attention to what you're paying attention to, because what you're paying attention to is inviting in creative energies to bring to you what you're paying attention to. Right. Your discipline is going to create the sustained change that you're ultimately looking for. So, so do it. Um, Again, I'm going to say this in a way that serves those that are potentially listening and feel a little stuck around this area of, well, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want, Jonathan. I don't know what to focus on, which, you know, I would call BS on and help people with that. But just since we're on this podcast together and, you know, this is about your beautiful work, what would you say? To someone who says, I don't even know what I want. I know I want better. What would you say? I'd say you're too old not to know. <laughs> yeah, yes. And then I would also say, I would also say, is, is there something that is dismantled in you intuitively? What do I mean by that? When we take an action that is beneficial toward our growth, there are accompanying physiological feelings that say that's right, that feels good. When we take an action that is not beneficial, we feel agitated, bad feelings. We are wired to know what we want and what we don't want. If you follow the inner animation, that's what just again went by, follow your bliss. Follow yeah. that which feels good. What feels good without a hangover, but that which feels good. Yes. That which, that which feels feels satisfying. That which feels like this is this is moving me toward 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 growth toward um uh so it, so that's what you find we're we're wired for that we're wired for that we're wired for that instinctually and then we also have a higher self that says it's probably good direction probably think about this i'm giving you an idea mm. you know? and so we have two different locus of, of of directionality both one in our body literally in our in our genitals in our in our lower belly the second brain with the the wine's called the now and then we have a higher self which is also, which is wired towards inspiration. And we access our higher self whenever we, whenever we feel inspired, whenever we think about what is potential, what is my inspired potential? What would that be? We are in touch with our higher self. So we're wired to it. Mm. So the question, the question really isn't about, I don't know what I want. It's that I don't think I can get it. Or, uh, or um, uh, it's, or, or, or it's beyond me or, uh, or I'm just too wounded to have a sense of self to go for it or something like that. Mm. But in general, we're too old not to know. Yes, agreed. With the principle of aloha to be happy with, I don't even know what my question is around this because there's a few things. And one thing that I put in my notes here around that is really the importance of boundaries. So, and I don't even know why I put that here, but there is sort of connection between the importance on boundaries and 
the connection with aloha and maybe you can make that connection for me here yeah so so aloha means means love it's a greeting in hawaiian but the, but the word yeah. if you break down the word you have alo which means to share or face to face yeah and ha means breath or life force so aloha love is about sharing it is about sharing with another it is about blessing another with with your presence it, and so so with so the idea of boundaries is about because what we so struggle with so often is that our output is not equal to the input coming back mm -hmm. because we haven't chosen correctly we haven't mm -hmm. chosen correctly who's who is receiving our love and mm -hmm. so it's about sharing it's about it's about coming together when you think of love love conjoins the opposite of love criticism judgment mm -hmm. or indifference mm -hmm. you know so it's about bringing things together you know and so so that's that's really what that uh what that principle is getting at the easiest way to understand it is that what what we're believing what we are we what we are focusing on what we are doing in the moment what we are paying attention to is love's perspective present is love's perspective present and and uh, and that's one of the things that we're looking for that helps us decide what to place our focus on what to believe right you know right. beautiful that's great and mana mana having the power to or recognizing that all of our power ultimately comes from within what do you say to someone who doesn't even know what that means they, what do you mean it comes from within i can't access that i don't like to meditate or i have meditated and like i don't even know who my guides are you know they start to create all the issues of lack around their search for their power which are, is already present so what do you say to someone who can who doesn't feel so connected to this facet to this principle that ultimately we all have mana we all contain the god source we're all god embodied you learned you whoever this person is that you're referring to you learned a long time ago to adhere to someone else's rules mm -hmm. you learned a long time ago that that the authority lives outside of you you learned a long time ago about what men are what women are what money is you learned a long time ago to follow advertisements. You learned a long time ago to follow uh, how many followers you have and what they think. You learned a long time ago to give a whole bunch of shits about what everyone thinks. And so because of that, because of that, uh, uh, what you are, what you fundamentally are, is in everyone else's hands except yours. Yes. And, and we, you know, Freud talked about the superego. The superego is the part of us that is connected to how we assimilate with the culture. And, and that, was, that was meant when Freud identified it, he meant about wearing black at a funeral and no, not eating your steak with your hands at a fancy restaurant, literally fitting into the culture. But we have given it the all. We yeah. have given it that the culture's opinion of us, the story of us, the elevator speech of us, is what the at the Instagram post of us is what's real and not us. That's right. And not fundamental us. And so this principle is is about is about that no one can tell you what you are but you. And that means that means that you know when you know when I'm working with a client they say Jonathan you just blew my mind it goes in one ear and out the other. 
I know I blew their mind. Or Jonathan, you're full of shit, goes in one ear and out the other. I know what I meant. <laughs> only I get to, only I know. Yes. And there's safety in our, in our intentions. Yes. So when we, when, when life becomes dangerous, it's when we go out in the world in the hopes that someone will mirror back our reality. And it's a wild card out there. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're going to mirror back. We don't know what mood they're in. We don't know if, if, if we remind them of their cousin that they hate. We don't know anything. All, all, we, all we know is what, what is coming from us. And so the power to create your life, the power to legitimize yourself. Another word for mana is authority. The, the, and, and in that word authority is the word author. The power to author your life mm, mm. comes from within. Otherwise, it's someone else writing the story mm. of what you are and you adhering to it. Mm. Excellent stuff. This is just beautiful, delicious morsels of truth. Let's go into the last principle, Pono. Um, and... I believe it's the effectiveness of measuring the truth. Is that accurate? Effectiveness, meaning does it work? Effectiveness is the measure of truth. Effectiveness is the measure of truth, which means that what's true is what works. What's true is what works. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and this, this, the only, the only absolute truth is that everything is. Mm hmm. Everything else is just something that someone made up and it's it's subjective and all of that. And sure, there are there are certain truths that we adhere to, like gravity, you know, and like, uh, you know, and uh, like, you know, break your arm, probably, probably a good idea to set your arm and all that. But what it's getting at is what this principle is getting at is that um, that ultimately truth is only truth is so highly subjective. Because it's based on whether or not it works for you whether or not it's going to get you where you want to go. That's the reason you know this is a healer. That's the reason why I have tantric stuff and I have Buddhist stuff and I have journey stuff and I have psychological stuff and all, you know, because I have to have all these different ways in which to be effective. Right. You know, and, and that's what this is getting at. You know, it, it's funny too, because I, I um, uh, you know, I think Donald Trump did something really amazing. In that, I'm not, I'm not, it's not, not to be political. I just think it's so interesting what he did. He yeah. put out in the consciousness that there's no truth. He put out in the consciousness that, that what's true might not be true. Now, of course, we know he did it for pretty much nefarious reasons. But I do think that one of the things that's happened at this time on the planet is that everyone is choosing for them for themselves what's right for them. Well, I would say... We don't know why he put it out. I would challenge that he could have or couldn't have, or he could have put it out for both selfish reasons and altruistic reasons, or just who knows because we can't get in someone's head. However, I don't think he's that smart, but I, but uh, yeah, you're I wouldn't say he's smart. I wouldn't say, you know, like, you know, he's saving the world by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and he's, you know, any of that. But if someone if there are forces at play, which there are, that place us in positions of power or drive us to be healers, right? That are just, they are, they are singing our praise because we are doing the work of the light. He was placed there for some reason, somewhere, somehow the forces gave the green light for him to be president and gave him the green light to put that out 
to shake what needed to be shook and to allow that movement, as messy as it may be, for people to question what's true. And I say, well, bravo, because we need to question what's truth and start exercising our sovereign autonomy. And, you know, if you think of the healing process, the very, the reason why people don't continue with it, the reason why people don't continue with it, the average, the national average of number of therapy sessions that anyone goes to, this is the national statistic is one. Really? Yep. They go once, they never go back. And it's because the first stage of this is I'm looking at my stuff. I'm looking at my darkness. I'm looking at my shadow. I'm looking at the things that I haven't looked at. Had I looked at them, I wouldn't need to be in therapy. I wouldn't need healing. Mm. And it's all the stuff that we don't want to look at, you know? And Mm. I think that like, and I think that because he gave permission on some level to bring up all of this stuff that we thought it's unattractive. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to look at our racism. We don't want to look at, you know, we don't want to look at police brutality. We, you know, and I think that he, you know, that he, uh, um, that, you know, he did bring that up in people, you know, so, so there is something to it, but you know, the easiest, the easiest way to think about um, truth working for you is something like, you know, before I moved to Hawaii, if you, if you go on YouTube, you will find a smorgasbord of videos that tell you all the reasons why it's impossible to move to Hawaii, that it's impossible, (laughs) that it's too expensive, that's not going to happen for you. Uh, that that the locals won't like you. That you'll get yeah. kicked off the island. That the that the, that the gods will kick you off. That there's you know. And I didn't watch those. <laughs> now the people who made those videos, that's their truth. That yeah. truth is not affected for me. So that is not truth that I'm going to adhere to because I'm moving to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's a that's way to think. It. I love that because that's just it. You can apply that to everything and not make like, what are you making your God? Are you making the news your God? Are you making New York Times your God? You're making your mother's opinion your God? Your mother's reality your God, right? Absolutely. Are you making the school's, you know, educational books your God? Are, Are you allowing yourself and giving yourself the license to question your intuition and those hits that you will inevitably receive as you continue on your path of expansion. (laughs) And so, yeah, well said. Um, Curious, uh, you you mentioned some of these in your book and really beautiful, powerful experiences that I would imagine many people can relate to that are on the spiritual path and having gone to a vortex such as Hawaii have had their stories or going to the Himalayas or just going to pretty much it could happen anywhere. It's like <laughs> the spirit exists. The divine is in everywhere and everything. So you don't have to go to Hawaii, but it's certainly a portal that can assist you. What would you say is the one of the most profound sort of event horizons that have taken place in your life spiritually? You mean like specific thing that happened? Yeah, where you got a download and it just really altered your perceptual lens of yourself and therefore life. Uh, it was, um, I think that it was, it was in, in meeting my, my spirit animal. Uh, I had a, I had had a, um, a dream before Hawaii was even on the radar. 
I had a dream in Belize and uh, of, of a turtle, of a turtle that, you see up there, of a turtle that, that, that uh, uh, came to me and it's, you know, and uh, the next day, and I had no really connection with, with turtles. And uh, next day I'm, I'm, uh, I happened to be on a snorkeling trip, which was not something I did. And, you know, I'm face to face with, with, with her. And, um, and then that led to, they just kept, they just kept showing up. And, um, and then when it became sort of my destiny to move to a place where they, they, I mean, it's a daily occurrence. I swim with them daily. It's something that, and it was the last thing, you know, at the time that was on my mind. And, um, and, you know, they, they, represent you know they their earth consciousness they're they're the mother they are um they are um they've been around a long time they they uh they speak to me in ways that are even beyond words and um and uh and in some way they've been something really directional for me you know so um i think i think it was that i think it was that i've certainly had many spiritual experiences but but um they you, turtle feels like kind of my patron almost yeah is there a message that you remember receiving that you think is worth sharing that a hit you got from turtle or in general yeah. from the turtle yeah mm -hmm. um uh so so basic but um slow down mm -hmm. and be gentle mm, yeah Slow down and be gentle. Who's doing that? <laughs> what you, who's doing that? Who's well, doing that? what I'm what I'm saying is, you say it's so basic, and uh, and oh, I see. Nod yes. at each other and go. Well, I'm sure it will be a biggie for everyone listening because the things we need the most are really ultimately so simple, and yet, and yet, we don't do it. Love yourself first so you can love others well. Take care of yourself first so that you can take care of others well. But who's doing it? Yeah. Not everybody. Yeah. Not so well because of their beliefs, because, because, because. But the opportunity still lies. And, you know, some of that, you know, seven, some of that 75 things you want, you know, yeah. is about like, you know, I think we all... You know, I I think most of us are not meant to in, become a monk in our mid twenties and go be an ascetic and you know and renounce worldly whatever. I think it's I think we do need experiential notches on our belt, mm -hmm. you know, and and uh, and I think some of us do need to to um, uh, have worldly experiences that where we learn about ourselves, you know. Um, but what I find is that is that there comes a point where. Uh, the graduation from human doing to human being is a, is one that that we all need to take, and yeah. uh, and um, it's um, it's usually thirty eight to forty two. That's when that at least begins as an idea, you know. Uh, and a lot of times it's uh, you know I'm I'm living this life. I thought it was all right, but I got to go to do ayahuasca in the Amazon, you know, because uh, you know it, it it's not what I thought it was. You know, it's not what I thought it was good. That's like an archetype. That guy's an archetype now, you know. Um, uh, but uh, but I do think like there there comes a time when it is about the reevaluation of what we thought was important and what we were taught was important and what we were born into and the matrix uh, and the, the overcultures, rules, expectations, assumptions, 
uh, all of that about uh, the advertising, all of it that we're born into and it's spoon fed to us about what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think at a certain point, if we're doing it right and if we're following the spiritual path, um, we we tweak that and we find out we find our own way that is just slightly different than those rules. Yes, yes. Well, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners along the path to help them crack open their really? It sounds kind of funny, but I think they'll get it and you get it. Really, their supreme potentiality moving from this place of mediocrity to supreme activated potential because it's one thing to be in your potential that can be painful too but to activate it is a whole other thing where you're living it you know the main thing i would say is um um turn off limitation turn off the news turn off uh turn off the uh get get off that phone call with the friend that's that that uh that um that lives a small existence mm. um, you know uh, um, begin to begin to um really look at that you either have uh an invisible team of cheerleaders on your shoulder that are cheering when you make an effort or make an action or make a choice that leads towards growth or you have a bunch of naysayers on your shoulder that say don't do it don't go don't do that don't become that and um, and that's really for you to decide. And sure, the naysayers may be, that voice may be louder, but that's only because of wounds and wounds can be healed. Mm-hmm. And if, if that voice is so loud that you can't move forward, then you got to go find someone to work with. Mm-hmm. You got to get better. You, you owe it to the world. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your spirit. You owe it to the little boy or the little girl that learned that bullshit about themselves. And about life. Yeah. So that's what I would say. I think you just summed up the quiescence, quintessence of Huna, which you say at some point in your book, it's really ultimately about replacing all of these really limiting thoughts and beliefs that induce tension and suffering into ones that create happiness and relief and potentiality and and just to say this too, it's not about control. It's yes. about influence. This work is about influence. We can't control anything, but we do have an influence. And that is, it's very, and that's that's the part that we all have to own for ourselves. And that's the part that we have to, that's the skill set that we need to, to um, recognize in ourselves. What were you going to say? I was going to say just off of that, well, can, we can control how we respond, can't we? Oh, sure, 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 sure. Oh, well, I'm saying that we can't control, we can't control, control the circumstances of our life. Yes. And, you know, that's what I, I thought you meant, but just. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's sort of armchair. It's the secret. I'm just going to, I'm just going to you know, do my crystal and I'm going to get a Maserati. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's all ridiculous, you know, yeah. but, it, it, but it is about, um, uh, it is about um, uh, the, the idea that we, that we have influence over our lives, that we do have a say. Yes. You know that I think is really, really important that people get. Yeah, I always think anything that you want in your life, I always encourage people to ask for it for the highest good of all concerned. 
because right. you don't want the sort of good because you don't want the drama that comes with it. Just like that job that you really wanted in New York at the very early stages of your life before you were a healer. If you got that, it probably would have come with a lot of karma that you didn't even know was attached to it and pulled you further, of course, away from really where you are, further away from Hawaii and the turtles. That's right. You know, that's right. You know, if the door closes, it's not your door. Yeah. Or it's not your door. Follow the yeses. Follow the yeses. Follow the yeses. Love that. Oh, Jonathan, it's been such a pleasure. Mahalo to the nth degree. I can't wait to knock on your door when I go to Hawaii. Can't wait to have you. I'll take you around. Oh, my God. I would love that. And all your information is in the show notes. So anyone that wants to read his beautiful book, it's really a great read. Uh, Thank you for your work. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your light. And just so much love to you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Aloha and aloha to everyone. Thank you for being here. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.